Good evening. Really? <laughs> Good evening. Yeah, there we are. Uh, this afternoon, it, it, it dawned on me as we were headed out to uh, lunch, two of my closest friends are in this room. Uh, we've known the Dunbars for ever. <laughs> Go all the way back to uh, Green Bay and we met, uh, we, we met Pastor Mills. Uh, well, actually, we met his family before we met him. I scheduled a meeting with him. This is back when I was doing the printing ministry, and he didn't tell me he was going to be gone. So I get there, and I've already got a bad attitude because I called, woke up Debbie, who goes to bed at 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> I called her about 8 o'clock, and we were still in Buffalo, so I was calling to let her know I was going to be late said something to her, and she said, well, my husband's not even here. He's down in Mexico. And I thought, all I am is pulpit supply. <laughs> he booked a missionary because he's going to be gone down on the mission field. And uh, Katie was, how old was Katie? Two. Our daughter and their daughter fought for the entire week. It was one, it was one of the most miserable weeks I've ever had in the ministry, trying to make a good impression on the pastor's family. And uh, Brother Mills and I, we, we met up again, uh, uh, I think it was the year after that, and we've been fast friends there. I would like to loudly amen what he was just talking about. We've had an opportunity to be in the, the church, Grace Baptist Church down there in Hinesville, Georgia, for a couple of missions conferences, and have had an opportunity to meet some of the men that are going out and representing the Lord Jesus Christ in their own home country. You know, how long, is, how long does it take one of us to take and learn a foreign language? The older you get, the longer it takes to learn it. And these men, are already, they're already accustomed to uh, the food, the language, uh, the culture, and everything. And they just sometimes need a helping hand to be able to get the job done. And I've been, I, 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 Brother John and I were talking about it uh, this afternoon. Cheryl and I had talked about it last time we were down there for a missions conference. I said, if the Lord didn't have me in the courier's ministry... I'd be right there where he is. I have seen the need to be able to help these men in the churches and to see the gospel spread literally around the world. Turn your Bibles tonight to Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 10. Uh, everything that I tell you tonight, you've already heard. Well, good. Let's keep it short so we can go home and go to bed. <laughs> so it's going to be nothing new. We're just going to run through and do a little bit of a... Uh, of a review of faith promise, but I want to try and add a, a new thought to it. In Romans chapter 10, and we'll just start there in verse 15, it says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. There's our part in participating in missions of not just giving the money and sending it, but we, uh, if we are physically able, to bring, to go, to get involved, to make that mission trip. We were over at Brosnan's today for, uh, for supper, and uh, Michael Ann is so wound tight about making a trip to the mission field that... Uh, all I, I think if I said, here's a plane ticket, she'd jump on no matter where it was going ju just to be able to make that trip. Which, okay, you guys know the Brosnans. Good night. <clears throat> so we knew them before they got married. We knew them before they met each other. And uh, 
So it's been a real joy just to be able to see how the families come along and the little people grown up to be big people, and we're having some great family conversations over there. But for the last three and a half weeks, I've been listening to slow, distinct English. (laughs) I walked in the house, and there was like four people all talking at the same time. I didn't know you could talk that fast without coffee. I honestly honestly did not. Good night. Anyway, we had a a great time. Thank you, Michael Ann, for uh, for a wonderful supper. Uh, and for all the free entertainment that, we, that, that came with it. How beautiful are the feet of them that uh, preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How does that come about? It comes about by spreading the, uh, spreading the tidings. Uh, spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let me give you an example of that. And it kind of goes along with what uh, Brother Mills was talking about. In Romania, there is a great divide between the, the national Romanians and the gypsies. They do not mix. They just do not mix. Now, it's not that way in every country. Lithuania was, uh, was kind of an exception to that. But in, in Romania, uh, you've got this group of people that are looked down upon. They've got a bad name. They've got a bad reputation. That doesn't mean that they're bad people, it's just that they've got a history. Because they speak another language, now when they move into a country, they learn the language of that country, but they also have their own language called Roma, and there's very little literature in their language. We're in the process of having some of that translated into the Roma language to be able to give that to them. But the Roma is their main language. But because of the great divide, and it's worse than any of the black and white situation that we've had ever had here in the United States in the last 40 or 50 years, uh, if, we ha- if we're in a country where they are, uh, the nationals will not go to a meeting that's for the gypsies, and the gypsies will not come to a meeting that's for the nationals. So there's no way that we can get, have, hold one campaign and cover everybody and just bring them to one meeting. It's not going to happen. And it shouldn't be that way. When they get saved, things begin to change somewhat, but that's just the way that it is. So the, uh, when, we were in, uh, when we were in Romania in, 27, uh, in, 27, in uh, 2007, uh, we, had, we were invited out to the Gypsy Village. Uh, the v- Gypsy Village that time just outside of Sofia had about 40,000 people. Uh, in a in a city much small in a township much smaller than Auburn, and uh, they're they're just packed in shoulder to shoulder, small house, small house, small house, small house, and uh, we went in there. It, it, the streets, you, there's no map. You you can't. You need a guide literally to take you in and to get you out because it's it's just a maze of of streets and everything. But we went in there and we passed out some John Romans and we invited them out for the preaching service. And a multitude of them came. Uh, We were rather shocked. The missionary, Brother Jeff Stewart, was shocked at how many that showed up for that meeting. And uh, we didn't see a lot of visible results at the time. Uh, They're slow to respond. But uh, there was a young man by the name of Martin that got saved. Now, I don't remember if he got saved at that meeting, but he got saved because of the campaign, either during the preaching service or the Sunday after that. I don't remember exactly how the story goes. 
Then Martin disappeared. He came to church for about three weeks and disappeared. Well, okay, another one prayed the prayer, and it looks like he just got lost in the weeds and went off and had life. And that's what he did. He, he went off and just carried on with life. He met a, a young, another gypsy lady by the name of Alexandra. Uh, they got married, uh, had a baby a couple of years ago. Well, last year we were in, uh, in Romania, and uh, we went through the gypsy village again. And it pricked his heart, and he said, I remember last time they had a meeting like this. And he and his wife came to the meeting, brought their, brought their two-year-old son, heard the gospel, and he got under conviction. And he was at church the next Sunday. And he went and he, uh, he had talked to uh, missionary brother uh, Jonathan Owens and uh, said, I got saved back in 2007, but he says, I haven't been in church. He says, I don't know what, I don't know how you say the words, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And he says, I need to be in church. He says, my wife is not saved. And uh, he says, will you pray for me and for my family? Well, okay, that's great. You came to church. (laughs) You feel guilty. That's wonderful. Be at church. And they have been. They have not missed a Sunday service since then. They've got uh, uh, friends Mladen and Ani, and they have two children. And uh, about two weeks, three, excuse me, three weeks after uh, Martin came and said, I need to be in church, my wife's not saved, they brought their, started bringing their friends. Three weeks later, his wife gets saved, Mladen gets saved, Ani gets saved, and they've all been coming faithfully. Martin's in the... Uh, Bible Institute right now, he's preaching Sunday school in the Gypsy Village, a national preaching to nationals in the language that they understand. Now, we're waiting to see what all the Lord does with him. Uh, There is a host of Gypsy Villages all throughout that country, and uh, Hungary and, and several other ones that we're waiting to see. Is this the one that's going to light the fire amongst the other gypsies. Because for the most part, for the most part, most work that is done amongst the gypsies is foreigners coming from America. So we're praying for, uh, praying for Martin. How does that come about? Through us, through people like you, giving in missions so that we have the opportunity to make the trip, buy the scriptures, go out there, pass it out, invite them for preaching service, and some will get saved, as we looked at last night. The uh, title of the message tonight it's, is, It's More Than an Offering. It's more than an offering. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. When we give, as they did here in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, I'll just kind of pick up uh, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded on the riches of their liberality. We've talked about this before. It was not just a trial. It was a great trial of affliction, but it was also abundance of joy. There was deep poverty, but there was riches to their liberality. When you don't have a lot, and we have a hard time relating to this sometimes, when you don't have a lot, sometimes it's just easier to give what you do have. Just get, you know, it's, it's the mo- it seems like the more we accumulate, the harder it is to turn loose of it. 
when you don't always have a lot, it's a little bit easier, especially when you see somebody else has a need. For uh, Verse 3, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. And that's what missions conference boils down to, your grace purpose giving. Are you willing to go the next step? To, to take to go just a little bit farther. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Uh, that, uh, praying us with much entreaty. In other words, that's like, that's like somebody coming and saying, please, pastor, do not look at my living conditions. Don't look at what I don't have. Please take the money and be a blessing to somebody else. When was the last time you begged somebody to take money? <laughs> You know, the, the kids are already standing around with their hand out. Well, that's all you missionaries do is walk around begging for money. That's, that's what my mother-in-law thought for years. <laughs> you not only married Cheryl, you hauled her all over the country begging for money. Anyway, I never told a mother-in-law joke while my mother-in-law was alive because I was afraid she'd think that I was serious. But I've got a couple of good ones now. Anyway... <laughs> But it says here at the, uh, at the end of verse uh, 4 that w- they would take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. It's more than an offering. When that money comes in and it's, it's, it's given to the missionary or we take it over there or we get more involved, it ministers to them. It, it, it meets some of their need. It's, uh, it, it goes the extra mile. It's more than an offering because it shows our desire and love for God. Look at verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have, for if there be first a willing mind. It's more than an offering. It's my mind telling me I've got a desire to do more. I've got a desire to to get the gospel to places that I'm not going to be. Uh, most of our time is spent in Oshkosh and, and, and traveling. My main part of my, our ministry is over in Eastern Europe. I'm, never, I'm probably never going to make it to India. I'm probably never going to make it down to Brazil. I'm probably never going to make it to the Philippines. I'm probably never going to make it to Vietnam. Now I've got a desire uh, to go to all those places along with Australia and New Zealand, but I'm probably never going to make it. It's not really on my bucket list. What's on my bucket list is getting the gospel to as many people as possible in my lifetime. And the way that I do that is by coming to you and saying, will you help? That's, and that's basically what every one of these folks on, on your walls have done. Here's where I am. Here's what we're doing. Will you help us? And along the way, several people from this church said, yes, through your voting to be able to take them on for support and through your giving to be able to provide the finances that they need to be able to keep going. So... The, uh, it's more than an offering. It shows, that, uh, shows our desire and love for God. It's personal giving. Look over here at 
verse 9, or excuse me, chapter 9 and uh, verse 7. It's personal giving, every man. It's planned giving, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. It's positive giving, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a, what? Cheerful. Do you get excited about giving, giving your money? Do you get excited about putting your offering envelope in the, tray, in the plate? I do. We were in a church in Michigan. I thought, I thought they went Pentecostal on me. We did a missions conference, and I've known the pastor. He's very quiet, very conservative, kind of like Brother Mills most of the time. <laughs> and uh, we came to the end of the conference, and pastors, too, the way that they figured out how much they had money for, uh, for their missions giving was they took up the offering. You were supposed to put in what you were going to give every week in an offering envelope, and they were going to count it. Okay, now we know how much is coming in every week. Now we can set a budget. And I have never seen this before. I've never heard it since. So he says, let the ushers come. And there's this, what are you, what are you doing? They, they started kind of stamping their feet and clapping. Their, they were so excited. It's like, hurry up, get down here. Somebody pray so we can put it in so we can find out where we're, what we're going to do for missions this year. That's, that's not the response of most churches I've been in. Now, that doesn't mean that y'all aren't excited. That doesn't mean the other churches aren't excited about But that was the first time that I actually saw and heard a church that said, I can't wait to see what God wants to do through our church to be able to reach some more of the world to every creature. It's proving giving. Look down here at... Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Prove him. Prove him. Pray and ask, and then do what he says, and see if he doesn't take and meet that need time after time after time again. It's more than an offering in that it produces thanksgiving to God. Look down here at verse 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply, uh, multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. As we give... It causes thanksgiving to God. As we give, those that receive, the missionaries that receive it, they're thankful. The, the people that they've won to the Lord are thankful for what? There's churches in America that were concerned enough about us that they sent Brother Matthews and his family all the way down here to Brazil to learn our language, to learn our culture, to be able to try and tell us the truth that we never heard before they showed up. They're thankful for, I don't know, every trip, courier's trip that we go on, uh, missionaries and national pastors say, when you go back, you tell the churches, thank you. Thank you for sending the John Romans. Thank you for sending the people. Thank you for making a difference in our city. Thank you for the Bible that you just gave me so that I can start doing family devotion. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's why you need to make a mission trip. For, for somebody to walk up and look you in your little beady eyeballs and say thank you. 
verse 12. For the administration of the service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. What is that unspeakable gift? Well, one, I think it's the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. He was the gift. But I also think it's the, the gift of giving. When, when we first started, it was a little bit of a struggle, <laughs> to be quite honest. My flesh was struggling with, wait a minute, I'm, I'm supposed to be giving tithes and offerings, and now this is another thing? That lasted for about two years. And then I, I realized, that as I was working on the job at the punch press, I'm working second shift, so I can't be to church on Wednesday night. So during missions conference time, I missed most of the missions conference because I was only able to be there for Saturday and Sunday of it. So I thought, you know, how can I get a good attitude about doing something for missions? I want to do more. Uh, I, had, I had a job where I got a flat rate, but then you had piece rate over that. In other words, if, if I was able to produce 10 pieces of material, that was, that was good. I was comfortable with that. But if I could put produce more than 10 pieces, I get paid extra for every one of those pieces. So I said, Lord, I'm going to set aside some time. Uh, after lunch, or after supper, which was nine, uh, 7 o'clock, after supper, I'm going to dedicate the next two hours to you, and I'm going to kind of keep track of how much I earn, and that's going to be my missions money. So there I am on a punch press, take a piece of metal, put it in a machine, step on the pedal, put it over there. Take a piece of metal, put it in a machine, step on the pedal, put it You can actually begin to work up a beat. You, you can sing along with it. I had the best time working in that machine shop from about 8 to 10 o'clock, having the time of my life making real money. Can I ask you a very personal question? The other thing that turned my missions giving around was not only me committing a couple hours for money, for the Lord, for missions, but I sat down and I thought, how much do we give to our missionaries? And back then, it, the... The standard was about $30, $35 per missionary. Now that, fortunately, that standard has come up quite a bit in most churches. And I thought, how many missionaries, on an average, then do I support? I was a little bit ashamed. We were only supporting at that time one mission, the equivalent of one missionary. And that was a motivator. Lord, help me to do more, to be able to increase my giving so that now, I'm not, okay, don't get confused here. I'm not giving the money to, you know, Rick Matthews and uh, uh, $30 more to John Mills. That, that money was put in a pile, but I thought, because the church divides it all up, but if, if I'm only making $30 an hour and that's what I've got committed to mission, I'm only, I'm only supporting the equivalent of one missionary. Lord, give me the ability to support several missionaries. Here's the personal question. How many missionaries equivalent do you support? 
Now, I realize there's people in here that are on a fixed income. You do what you can, but some of us, some of us have the ability to do more. I need, for me, I need personal challenges like that to raise my standard, to raise my eyes, to raise my, see the need, to say, Lord, I want to do more. It, y- y'all looking at me like I might be messing around in your wallet. <laughs> but think about that. Uh, well, I'm off the notes already. Uh, how, and I should know this because you've supported us forever. How much, how much is monthly support for average monthly support for missionaries? $100 a month. Do you support the equivalent of one missionary? If you do, what next? Cheryl, what, what can we do next? Can we, can we come up with some more money? Can, can we support a missionary and a half? <laughs> can we support a missionary in three quarters? Can we, can we support two, the equivalent of two missionaries at a time? It's things like that that challenge me. I don't know what's going to challenge you. Maybe you just need the Word of God. <laughs> I, I need the Word of God and a good stick in the backside every once in a while just to, uh, just to pop me forward. Anyway, back, back to the note. Sorry, I didn't mean to mess with you. It's more than an offering because it shows our desire and love for God. It's more than an offering because it produces thanksgiving to God. Number three, it's more than an offering in that it produces preaching the gospel beyond you. Look at uh, chapter 10, chapter 10 over here in verse 14. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measures, though we reach not unto you. For we have come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel, not boasting of other things, uh, of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Why? To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Today, tonight, there are uh, several churches along the Volga River that are there And part of it is because of this church. I don't remember exactly what year the church took us on for support. Uh, I was going to ask Pastor, and we had too much fun over the Brosnans, and so I never got back in time. But the church took us on before we did the Volga River uh, campaign. The goal of the Volga River campaign, there was 10 cities. uh, The goal over of It was good coffee, too. There's 10 cities of over a million people along the Volga River. It's the main river of Russia. The goal was to produce and to put in each one of those 10 cities 100,000 testaments in each city. Sow that much seed. Well, in a long story short, that would have been a million New Testaments. We didn't get a million New Testaments out. We got a million 300,000 Testaments out. The goal was to start a Bible study in every one of those ten uh, cities. We didn't see ten churches start. At the end of the summer, we saw 17 churches start. At the end of three months past the campaign, we were up to 27 churches that got started, all because of churches like this who said, we want to make a difference in Russia through faith, promise, giving. Now, if there was money over and above that for, for some of the scriptures and for the, some of the testaments, but you have fruit along the Volga River because of your giving to missions, but because of helping us to get over there. And it was right after that 
that I told pastor, you need to come on a trip. Go get your passport. I don't, I don't even remember if I gave you money for your passport or what I've done. I've done that a few times just to provoke a couple. Here, here's, here's your money. Go get your passport. You need to go on a trip. But this church has got fruit in Russia because you gave. It's more than an offering in that it produces care and concern and compassion for others. Look at chapter 9, verse 1. For it's touching the ministry, ministering to the saints. How do you minister to saints? You go spend time with them. You go be a blessing to them. You go meet some of their needs. You go do something for them. Do something with them. Just, uh, we did some things for... Jeff and Helen, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because Jennifer's sitting here and she'll probably squeal. <laughs> but we, we, did, we did some stuff for Jeff and Helen that we just wanted to do it. And it wasn't Pastor did it, and it wasn't Cheryl and I did it. It was, we just said, this is from Wildwood Baptist Church. We, we went grocery shopping one day. I'm not going to tell you what all we did, but we ate well the next night. But I also found out why missionaries don't buy beefsteak when they're overseas. Ministering to the saints, for it's touching the ministry of the saints, it's superfluous. He says, it's foolish for me to write this to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind. You've got, you've got this desire. You, you, you've planned it out. you thought about it ahead of time. I know the forwardness of, of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that in Achaia was ready a year ago. You, you prepared for it, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Zeal is a enthusiasm, excitement, passion for the spiritual. How does that zeal work out? Back in 2015, we ha- at, at uh, Wildwood Baptist Church, we have a statewide youth rally where uh, we got churches from all over the, the state that, that come to Oshkosh for a three-day youth rally. It will wear you out if you volunteered to be, uh, be one of the leaders. So I only work in the daytime. I don't stay up with them all, all night long because they go to the gym and they do all kinds of stuff. But in 2015, uh, Tim Carpenter, who runs our print shop, said, you know what, why don't we see if they can, how many scriptures, how many John Romans they can put together. So we set up several tables, and the, the young people said, well, we've never played this game before. Well, it's not a game. We're going to put together some scripture, and these scriptures are going to go to Africa to such and such a missionary. So all, basically all you do is you, you take one, uh, one folded chunk of paper, stick it in another one, put it in another cover, set it down, and you, so you just make this laugh around the table. They, we broke them up into teams, and there's a way to be able to check this that I won't go into detail, but so that we know that nobody missed a section or, or whatever. So that, uh, in an hour, they, col- uh, they collated 25,000 John Romans. Now, they still needed to be stapled, and they still needed to be trimmed, but when they got all done, we counted them up, and then we said we had ink pads, and we said, we want you to take your thumbprint, put it in the ink, and put it on the back of a cover of John Romans, and then pray over that, that somebody in Africa, and I don't remember the missionary, the country that it went to, that that one will be used to bring forth fruit. With several teen, later, teen leaders and several teens that said, 
Can we do that again? That was one of the most fun things. It was they saw the profit in it right away. So 2016, we do the same thing again, only this time they were putting together scriptures that we're going to go to Puerto Rico. Well, well, the challenge was thrown out. How many can you collate and have stapled? So all we have to do is trim them and box them. They did 30,000 to Puerto Rico. We said, go get your, get your ink pad, put your thumbprint on it, and next year you're going to take these scriptures down to Puerto Rico, and you're going to pass these out yourself. Start saving money. Here's how much the trip is going to cost. And I don't remember what it was, uh, like $950 or $1,000. And uh, we want 100 teens for 100 days to go to Puerto Rico. And there's mom saying, you're going to do what with my teen for 100? No, your teen's not going for 100 days. We're going to break them up, uh, five teams of 20. They're going to go down for two weeks. They're going to be working with Tim Carpenter of the print shop and several other adults. And they're going to pass out these scriptures in Puerto Rico themselves and see what God does. Now they came up with something that I have, uh, I've only tried one time. In Puerto Rico, they drive like maniacs. <laughs> I'm sure there's a speed limit sign someplace, but I didn't see one when, we were, when Cheryl and I were down there in the spring. When the light turns green, that means you better get out of the way because they are coming. But when the light turns red, it stays red for quite a while because in the morning there's, there's quite a bit of traffic. So what they do is they stand in the middle of the road. There's a little island. It's safe, Mom. Sure, it's safe. They, they, won't do it. they won't hit us. There's an island in the middle of the road. And when the stoplight goes on, they start just going down car to car to car to car. And we discovered that you can get 50 cars before the light turns green again. Then you run back, load up again, and start going. We didn't bother showing that till after the entire trip was over with. Because <laughs> there would have been some very unhappy moms, but nobody got hit, nobody got killed, nobody got hurt. But those young people came back and they said, you know what happened? We saw God answer prayer. We saw God answer prayer that brought in the money, brought in the work that I needed to be able to make that money to be able to go. When we went and we passed out the John Romans, we saw people respond. They stopped and they'd come back and they'd ask for some more information. They'd ask about the meeting that we were going to have or the special Sunday over at this church. We saw God answer prayer during the preaching services on Sunday when they had friend day there. And we saw, we saw God answer prayer where we saw 30 or 40 visitors in that church that we were having some friend day for. We saw God answer prayer after we got back, how God did some things in our lives as we gave testimony. Their zeal provoked many more. Right now we've got a whole line of young people, young, young teenagers that are saying, I want to do that again. I want to go again. Or saying, next year I'm old enough to go to Puerto Rico. This makes you want to go, doesn't it? <laughs> look, look at the... Uh, Look at that end of verse 2 again of chapter 9. And your 
zeal, your zeal hath provoked very many. Tim is now running five or six trips a year down to Puerto Rico because of the zeal of a bunch of teens that said, I want to do that. I want, I want to go someplace. I want to hand out some scripture. Why, why do the couriers get to do that? And a lot, of the, a lot of the teens that went had never even seen a courier's presentation or really heard about it because we hadn't been in, in all those churches. But their zeal provoked very many that, like I said, Tim's running six or seven trips just, just coming up uh, next year already, which is how Jeremy said, you know what, Dad? Why can't we run a teen trip someplace in Eastern Europe? And that's where the discussion started about where can we take some teens from the states to go over to a country to be able to be a blessing and a help to somebody. So the details, uh, several people have been asking me, and the work is still in, in progress. So it'll probably be in 2021, the summer of 2021. Uh, we don't have a date. We do have a missionary, but we'll be going to, uh, or you, you can go to Moldova, to be able to work with two missionaries, Paul Hamilton and John, what's his name? <laughs> Never forget his name. Uh, they, they work in orphanages. I mean, they've got a church, but one of their outreaches is over to an orphanage. It's only about 15 miles away. And they go over there, and you're going to get a chance to be able to work and do a vacation Bible school in a foreign country for a bunch of orphans to be able to plant the seed to water the seed, to hopefully see some fruit, maybe come through that vacation Bible school, but eventually it's going to bring forth fruit down the road. Now, I don't know how much that trip is going to cost. We're probably, I'm just in a, do not write this down, because I'm just quoting off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess that trip will probably be about $1,500. It's a lot more expensive than going to Puerto Rico. So I don't care where you go. Just go and come back and provoke someone else about, you know, you'll never, you'll never guess what I saw God do. It's more than an offering. It ministers to the saints. It ministers to the, the lost people. It, encourage, it, it encourages everybody all the way around, including yourself. That's how Jeff and Helen, uh, Jeff and Helen, that's how Jeff and Helen ended up in, uh, in, uh, Started out in Ukraine, ended up in, uh, started out in Russia, ended up in Ukraine, and now we're in Belarus. They, they made a mission trip with us. That's how Jeff and Grace Gallus last year ended up in Sofia, Bulgaria. They made, Jeff, is, his background is Lithuanian. So he was on the first Lithuanian trip that we, we had over there saying, Lord's, Lord's you know, working on my heart. I'm ready to step out of the pastor, and I think he wants me to go into missions. Is it Lithuania? Nope. Is it Hungary? Nope. Is it Romania? Nope. But I sure like the Romanian people and I like the Romanian... Is, is, it, is it the Czech Republic? Nope. Anyway, they made seven trips before God said, it's Bulgaria. But they kept going. Now, I'm not saying you need to go saying, is this it? Is this it? I'm just saying, provoke yourself. <laughs> provoke yourself to do something, to go someplace. And for us senior saints, as some of us are more senior than other seniors, if you can't make it, give money to somebody who can go. To Puerto Rico, or Moldova, or Germany, or 
Romania, uh, go, go over and see Cornell and Mary. They speak fluent English. They would love to have, If you can sing, uh, this, this square that they're on, is, they're technically a block off of, off of the square. It's a big walking street. It is a busy, 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 busy place. They'd love to have two or three or four more people standing out there singing with them. You can sing in English. They won't even care. Let your zeal provoke yourself. Let God provoke you. It's more than an offering to the missionaries. Sometimes it's an answer to prayer. My first trip to Bulgaria, we were doing the setup, trying to find a place to be able to hold a meeting for the gypsies and find a place to have the meeting downtown. How big an auditorium do we need to rent? And ended up renting, a, I think it was a 600-seat auditorium. There was like 450 people showed up for that. As, as I mentioned the other night, those days are pretty much gone, I think. But in the midst of all this, Jeff Stewart said, I want you to go with me up to the mountains and meet a meet a preacher and his wife, and I'm thinking, don't you realize how much, we, have, we don't have our advertising done, we, we, we don't know, uh, we still have to contact the newspaper, we've got to rent some billboards, uh, we don't even know where we're going to feed everybody, we, all we had was a hotel, and we're supposed to take some time to drive up on a Saturday to go visit this old preacher up there. And God rebuked me when I got there. Here's Pastor uh, Katronoff, you ever read or heard of the book Tortured for His Faith? Do you remember who the, who the man was that the book was about? Uh, <laughs> Harlan Popoff. Pastor Kontronoff was in prison with Harlan Popoff. The man, he was, uh, when, I, when I met him, he was 78 years old. He hadn't been able to walk for several years. What they would do is they'd take him, hang him upside down, and beat their legs with rods. One day I'm standing on a street corner there in Sophie and I'm passing out scriptures and one of the nationals from the church had come over by me and he, we were having a good time passing out. People were pretty receptive. And he said, Brother Larry, do you know where you are? He said, Sofia, Bulgaria. I, I know where I am. No, he says, this is the prison. He said, we used to, he said, those greats right there, we used to hear the cries of people being tortured coming out of there. And here I am openly standing there passing out scriptures, inviting people to come out to our preaching service. We sat down and we visited with Pastor Kontronoff and he told us his kind of his life story. He got saved as a young person. As he grew in the faith, you know, of course, being a teenager, the, he had to kind of keep it to himself. Back then, the communism was real strong. So he got, uh, he got, uh, who was the guy? Uh, I hate telling the story because I always go blank. Uh, the guy that, that wrote the, the book about, cre uh, not creation, uh, help me, Cheryl, help me. <laughs> you know where you're going. Yes, you do. Because he, he, took, he took his New Testament and he put it inside 
Who's the guy that went to the island that said everything? Huh? What? I can't. I can't hear. Burma? No, no. The guy that wrote the book of that, that really got everybody going off on, you know, we just came from a monkey and, and all that stuff. Darwin. Thank you. Well, that, that's the hardest part of my whole message right there. He had Darwin's book of life, and he took the center of it out, and he put his New Testament inside. And so he would go down to the park, and of course the police are looking for people. He'd go down the park, and he'd just be sitting there reading the book, and somebody come in and sit down, or he'd go over and sit down by them, and he'd just strike up a conversation. And uh, they'd start talking, and he said, Can I tell you who Jesus Christ is? And he started witnessing to him. And the police would come along, and they'd say, uh, What are you doing? And he'd hold, up, he'd hold up the book by Darwin. And they said, That is a good book. And he says, It is a very good book. <laughs> He did that for years, but they finally, they eventually caught him after he started a church in his house. And so he was in prison four different times for several years. I don't remember how many years. He used to get Bibles shipped in to him, and he would bury them in the garden. He said they, they came in several times and tore up the house. He said they even tore up the, the chicken coop. You're pretty desperate when you're tearing up a chicken coop. But he said they never found them buried out there in the garden. But he went through all of that. It was one of the sweetest times I've ever had. As we sat there, he told us his story. Uh, we sang together. We prayed. I hadn't been with, I, I, don't, I didn't understand hardly a word that he prayed. But the Spirit of God showed up that day in that house. And I thought, I, I didn't think I had time to go meet some old preacher in Bulgaria. One of the last things he said to us before we left, he said, tell me again, what is it you're doing this, uh, what is it you're going to be doing this spring? We said, we're going to bring 36 people in and we're going to be passing out the, the gospel of John and Romans and invite people out. He says, I prayed for 45 years that God would do something here. It's more than an offering. Sometimes it's an answer to prayer. Father, I thank you for this time you've given to us to be able to look at your word. Lord, it's more than money. Money is just a vehicle to be able to accomplish several things that are spiritual. Turning it into the word of God, turning it into a place to be able to rent, turning it into food for pastors or missionaries at times turning it into being able to travel to another, to the next town to be able to preach the gospel. Lord, would you stir each of our hearts, not just with an emotional story, but with what it is you would have us to do for missions this year in trying to reach the world, starting from Freedom Baptist Church and going out from there. Everyone standing heads up, uh, Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pastor.